Amen. Welcome to everyone today. If you're a, a guest, we are glad to have you in service. If this is your first or your second time today, we invite you to stop by the back corner of the sanctuary. We have a small token of appreciation to give you for being here today. Uh, I was... I had a momentary lapse of what today was because about 10 a.m. I think some folks forgot to spring. <laughs> there was about 10 people here at 10 today. So thank God everybody else got here. It's kind of interesting. Nobody ever really seems to forget to fall back. I've never come into church on a fall back Sunday with a bunch of people sitting here for an hour. Somehow, we tend to forget the spring. So, good to have everyone. If you're watching us online, we welcome you today, wherever you may be joining us from. And uh, it's also really great to have my sister-in-law, Rochelle, in service my niece Zoe and nephew Anthony. Praise God. Amen. Isn't God good? Yes, He is. And I am so thankful for the privilege of knowing Jesus. I, I, I wouldn't trade it for anything in the world. Praise God. I, I can't imagine life without him I guess some people don't understand the purpose of Christianity and they view it as if you're going to do it and still have problems what's the use well the Bible says the rain falls on the just and the unjust so everybody's going to have trouble and problems difficulties the difference is as a Christian, first of all, I know that whatever I go through, I'm not alone. And I also know that whatever I go through, it all works together for my good. you don't have that hope, that peace, then you live in term, turmoil, anxiety, probably depression. But also the bottom line is we do not have our hope in this life only. Because the bottom line is if I can just make it through this life. What a day that will be when my Jesus I shall see. There'll be no more pain, no more sorrow, no more saying goodbye to loved ones. What a day, what a day. Praise God. John chapter 1, verse number 45, John 1. 
verse 45. Now Philip was of Bethsaida, the city, verse 44, the city of Andrew and Peter. Philip findeth Nathanael and saith unto him, We have found him of whom Moses in the law and the prophets did write. Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. We have found him. And Nathanael said unto him, Can there any good thing come out of Nazareth? Philip saith unto him, Come and see. You better watch out where you discount your answer may be. Or where it comes from. You just need to come and see. And Jesus, or Jesus saw Nathanael coming to him and saith unto him, Behold, an Israelite indeed in him is no guile. Nathanael saith unto him, Whence knowest thou me? Oh, hallelujah. How, how do you know me? How do you know me? Jesus answered and said unto him, Before that Philip called thee, before Philip came and told you to come see me, when you were under the fig tree, I saw you. Nathanael answered and saith unto him, Rabbi, thou art the Son of God. Thou art the King of Israel. That's a lot different between the question, can any good thing come out of Nazareth? To now, oh, you really are somebody different. Jesus answered and said unto him, Because I said unto thee, I saw thee, under the fig tree, believest thou? Thou shalt see greater things than these. When you were under the fig tree, I saw you. I want to preach to you for a few minutes this morning. He knows where you are. He knows where you are. Father, I thank you for your presence that I feel in this place today. I thank you, God, that we are not here today simply going through the motions of a religion, but we have come to encounter and experience you today. God, I pray right now for every individual that's in this place. I'm asking, I'm trusting, I am Believing this morning, God, that you would speak to our hearts today. God, that this would not be a sermon, but that it would be a message from you to touch somebody's heart in life today. I trust you. I depend on you this morning, Lord, in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. You may be seated let, let me just quickly clarify the context of my title. Because we often say that, but most of the time we mean it in a little different way. 
For example, Job said, I searched for him. I, he searched for God. He said, I looked in front of me. I looked behind me. I looked on the left hand. I looked on the right hand. And I could not find him. And then he says, he knows the way that I take. So what Job was saying was, I can't find God, but God knows where I am. And that's a very important thing. It's a very encouraging thing that wherever I am, more so figuratively, but literally as well, wherever I am, God knows exactly where I am. That goes back to the comments I made before reading my text. No matter what I'm going through in life, He knows where I am. In fact, the psalmist said it like this, He's a very present help in trouble. We often wonder where God is when we're in trouble, and the answer is right there. Because the place we meet God the most is in the midst of our trouble. And so that, that is obviously an application, but that's not really what I've come to preach to you this morning. I, I've, I've come to preach not as much about He knows where you are, but in knowing where you are, He has a plan for your future. In knowing where you are, He's got something in mind for your tomorrow. Nathaniel gets the invitation first from Philip to come and see. And he begins to approach Jesus, and Jesus, seeing him, comes before an introduction, before a conversation, before spending time with him. He says, here comes an Israelite in whom there is no guile. Let me, let me just say it in kind of terms that we probably would understand a little bit more in 2017. Here comes a good guy. Here comes a good guy. Moral, upright, sincere, honest. And Philip says, how, how do you know me? You're making statements about me and we've never met before. How do you know me? And Jesus says, before you showed up, I saw you under the fig tree. I wonder if in that moment Nathaniel went, uh-oh. If he saw me, maybe he heard me. <laughs> if he saw me under that fig tree, maybe he heard my doubt. Maybe he heard my skepticism. Maybe he heard my response was not one of faith. Oh, no. Can I tell you today, your Doubt and your struggle at times with a confidence in God and a confidence in the reality of God does not bother God. I, 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 I guess, I guess, I, I, sometimes I think stubbornness and pride are probably synonymous. Sometimes they're different, but other times they're probably pretty much the same, or actually stubbornness is probably more so just pride. So I'll call it stubbornness because it makes me feel a little bit better, but it's probably really just pride. If you, if you try to 
to prod me or fish for me to prove something to you. I'm probably not going to show you. I, I can whistle. I know how to whistle. Anybody that knows me very well knows I whistle a decent amount. Supposedly, you can't whistle if you're not happy. So, But if you walked up to me after church and said, you said you can whistle, let me hear you. I'm probably going to tell you, no. Well, prove it. No. I know, I know how to whistle. I don't need to prove to you I know how to whistle. But you know what? God is really good. Because when we have a tendency to respond and say, if you really are, prove it. If you really can, prove it. He is so kind not to respond to us and say, you know what, forget it. You'd either take me at my word or that's your problem. But most of the time, he is willing and ready to respond. All the time, he's willing. He just doesn't always do it the exact way we want it. But he's willing to demonstrate to us because, as I've said in the past, it's not our doubt that bothers God. It's our dishonesty. It's when we have doubt, but we don't want to acknowledge the doubt. The man came to Jesus with a child that had an issue and he said, Lord, I believe. But then he also said, help my unbelief. Jesus did not respond to him and say, listen, when you can get rid of your unbelief, I will help. But I think it was his honesty as much as it was his faith that allowed Jesus to do what he needed. And so I don't think God or that Jesus was bothered by Nathaniel's statement, can any good thing come from Nazareth? I think Jesus kind of felt a little bit of, as some would say, swag. Let me show, I'll show you. I'll show you what can come out of Nazareth. While you were sitting under the fig tree. How'd you know that? How did you know I was sitting under a fig tree? Because I've had my eye on you. I've been watching you. Can I tell somebody today that before you have ever become aware of it, God has already had his eye on you. Before you ever realized it, before you've ever even had an encounter with him, he has had his eye on you. What is amazing, Paul said this, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Can I tell every single individual sitting in this place today, today is not your first encounter or today is not the first time God has taken note of you. It's not the first time God has paid attention to you because the very fact you and I are sitting here today is a demonstration that somewhere in my past God was already orchestrating things to get me to this moment today and before I ever saw him he already saw me Nathaniel responds now and says oh you really are the one you you really are the son of god that's a his tune changed real quick can i can i tell you today it is god's desire 
for you to be able to have the same experience Nathaniel did, and that is to go from questioning to confidently believing. How can any good thing come from Nazareth? How can any good thing come out of this? To now being able to say, you, you really are. You are the one. Let me give you a couple other examples. First Samuel 16 and verse number 1 says this, The Lord said unto Samuel, How long will you mourn for Saul, seeing I have rejected him from reigning over Israel? Fill thine horn, horn with oil and go. I will send thee to Jesse the Bethlehemite, for I have provided me a king among his sons. There is someone already there that I've had my eye on, and I'm sending you to him. God knows where you are. We just finished up a political season electing a new president. They spent a focused year or so, but even before that, campaigning. Trying to give messages and reasons why they should be elected. Spending millions of dollars on advertising to get their face, their name, their message out. Trying to earn, trying to get your vote. When it came time for God to replace Saul as being king, David had not been on the campaign trail. David had not been advertising, vote me for the next king. He had not been trying to get the position He was actually just somewhere doing some very menial, trivial tasks. Taking care of his father's sheep, the youngest of all of his brothers, probably doing his own chores and at times doing theirs as well. But God knew exactly where David was. And when it came time for a new king, he says to Samuel, I want you to go to Jesse's house because I've got somebody already ready. I have already prepared them. I'm come to tell somebody today, there is an appointment that you have that is not by your design, it's not by your intent, but God has orchestrated it to get you to the place that He desires for you to be. Isaiah 49 and verse number 5 says this, And now saith the Lord that formed thee, Where, when, from the womb to be his servant, to bring Jacob again to him. Though Israel be not gathered, yet shall I be glorious in the eyes of the Lord, and my God shall be my strength. Now saith the Lord that formed me from the womb. I I know some of you probably think you did, but nobody came out of the womb a born-again believer. You couldn't be born again until you were born. However, before you were born, He already knew you. He already 
called you. Anybody here today that that uh, your parents they 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 hadn't finalized your name before you were born and it took a couple days? Anybody? Any of you parents that did that? I I know that's happened. Baby's born and you just haven't quite determined. You haven't you haven't come to an agreement with what the name is going to be. Before your parents ever finalized your name. Even if you spent a couple of days in this life without a name yet. He, before they decided, already knew your name. There's some of you, I've only known you a couple of years. Some of you, I've only known you a couple of days. I see a few folks here I've never even met before. But before you ever know or recognize him, he has already known you. Jeremiah 1 and 5, the Lord says something similar to Jeremiah. Before I formed thee in the belly, I knew thee. And before you came forth out of the womb, I sanctified you and I ordained you a prophet unto the nations. Before you were born. It wasn't just when he was under the fig tree. That wasn't the first time that Jesus knew about Nathaniel. It wasn't just that day at that moment that he was aware of who he was, but before he was even born. I'm not going to ask anybody to respond to this one because it perhaps could be a very a deep wound that either you've gotten over or you're still dealing with, but it's not uncommon for parents to say of a child, you were a mistake. You were a mistake. We weren't planning on you. I, I, have, I have four kids, teenagers, Four teenagers, four teenagers, four teenagers. I have four teenagers. I'm going to say that a couple of times. Four teenagers. I have four teenagers. I have four teenagers. I have four teenagers because tomorrow I will only have three teenagers. My goodness. I, 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 the, first one, the first one was planned, if you will. We were trying to have a baby. The other three weren't necessarily planned, but they weren't a mistake. (laughs) We may not have been trying to have two, three, four, but they weren't a mistake. And the bottom line is whether your parents planned for you or not, the only way you were ever born is because the creator of the universe decided there may be two people that aren't planning on you, but I'm planning on you. There may be two people that aren't expecting you, but I'm expecting you. Not only am I expecting you, but I've got a purpose and a plan for you because there is no such thing as an individual that is born that does not have a God 
God-given purpose. There is no human being out of seven billion people that when they are born, God does not with that life have a purpose for that life. Not one. Not one. You may not have the same purpose as somebody else. Your purpose may not have the same profile as somebody else. But the very fact you were born means that God had a divine purpose for your life. Because we might make some mistakes, but God makes no mistakes. The Bible says the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. If you have a Bible, it's part of the problem with most of our electronic Bibles with the King James. They don't always show some things. Because if you have a Bible, a printed Bible... If you read that verse, you will notice that the word good is in italics. The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. The problem with that is that there's a bunch of us today that read that verse and we disqualify ourselves. Because I am not a good man. Or a good woman. I feel that way? Yeah. So therefore, that verse does not apply to me. But when you read that verse and it says, The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. Again, the word good is in italics. The words in the King James Bible in italics is not the same purpose they typically are in writing. Italics are often to give an emphasis, to draw your attention to something. But the reason they're drawing our attention to that is because they are showing us, telling us, that when the Bible was translated, this word was not in the original. And so it was added for various reasons. Sometimes it's really nothing more than just to make the flow of the verse sound more correct. But let's take out that word. And let's say it without that word, because it now says the steps of a man. So half of you go, well, that still disqualifies me because I'm a woman. He's not talking about man as in gender. He's talking about man as in mankind, humanity. And so let me say it this way, the steps of a person. The steps of a person are ordered by the Lord. That means he has a plan. There are no accidents. There are no coincidences. Anybody ever had something in life that's caught you by surprise? How many of you last week, your week went exactly according to your calendar? Every appointment, everything, everything went exactly as you had it in your calendar. I'm so glad for, for digital calendars now. Some of y'all still like, you know, paper. You like to write. The problem with I'm assuming you use pencil. <laughs> Otherwise, you probably are doing a lot of scratching out because things change. 
There's never, I've never had a week that went according to plan. I have expectations on this coming week. I have things in my calendar for this week. I am quite certain something will not go as scheduled. And there may be something that doesn't go as scheduled, and I respond to that and go, I'm I'm surprised. I didn't I did not expect that. Do you realize in all of time, all the way back to Genesis 1 and 1, God has never gone. I didn't expect that. Hello? Oh, hallelujah. I know this is really simple, but somebody needs to hear me. He has never gone. Are you kidding me? Not only has he never done that with the circumstances in your life that are out of your control, he has never done that with one single decision you've made. Let me ask it this way. Has anybody ever had, has any, have you ever done something, said something, that you surprised yourself? Of course, it's usually, we don't usually, you know, we don't, it's not usually a compliment that slips out and we go, oh, where'd that come from? But it's usually a word of anger, a criticism. A, we go, oh, where'd that come from? You may have surprised you, but you, have never, 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 never. I have four teenagers. Never. I have four teenagers. Never. You have never surprised God. Some of you sit here today struggling to receive from God because of choices you made. That you are struggling to get over what you did. First of all, first of all, where are you right now? You, you, you are, yeah, we are. We're all here. Everywhere I go, I'm there. But you're, you're sitting at church. You are sitting at church. I know some of you may not be quite willing to accept this because it's too simple for you, but the very fact you're sitting at church is the proof that the issue is not His willingness. The issue is your willingness to simply receive. Well, this is going a little bit different than I expected. The prodigal son is about, he didn't, he didn't eat it. He was about to eat the food that he was feeding the pigs. And all of a sudden, he came to himself. And he said, my, 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 the servants in my father's house have it better than I have it. The servants... So I'm going to go back home, and on his way back home, he is, 
Anybody ever had a conversation you were planning, you had to meet somebody, and you were rehearsing it in your mind? Anybody? Especially a dreaded one. You are playing it over and over and over. And really, just like the prodigal, it usually never goes quite the way you prepare it. But here he is walking back home, and I, I, based on what the, the story says, I think it's safe to say this. On his way back home, he is rehearsing in his mind what he is going to say. He has an expectation for the response his father is going to give. And so he is playing over and over in his mind that when he sees his father, he is going to tell his father, I've messed up, I've made mistakes, I'm no longer worthy to be called your son, just let me be a servant. I don't know how many times he replayed that in his mind. I could imagine that probably a couple of hundred times as he's walking back home. And he finally gets to the point that there's the house and his father is sitting on the steps. And I think there probably was a moment of fear. Oh, no. I was hoping I could sneak in. And he's watching. I guarantee you his thought was, I know why he's watching. <laughs> Oh, no. And then all of a sudden he looks again and the father has gotten up off the porch and is now running towards him. I, I, I'm pretty sure his first response was, oh, my goodness, he is really ticked. Huh, I am in big trouble now. And I know we, we, the, the Bible doesn't give us all the details, so permit me for a moment to use my imagination. I, I just kind of imagine the prodigal starting to say the first word as the father gets to him, only to be shut up by the embrace, the embrace, not the rebuke, not the scolding, not the punishment. Not the rejection, but the father saying, my son has come home. He was lost, but now he's found. And he never even got a chance to say the speech he rehearsed. Because after the, after the embrace of the father, the father starts giving out commands. Go get the fatted calf. Go start cooking dinner. Get him a new robe. Get him a clean shoes. Get a new ring on his finger. We are going to celebrate my son that was lost is now found my son that was gone has now come home and he's not going to be a servant in my house he's not just going to be a hired hand but he left as a son and he's coming back and going to be a son today so whatever the reason whether it's your decisions or the circumstances of life nothing has surprised Jeremiah chapter 29, last verse. I love this verse. I, I love this verse. Jeremiah 29 and 11. I know the thoughts that I think toward you. I, I know some of you have heard me, seen me, whatever, say this before. But honestly, I think this is the way, this is the way I Imagine God's tone in this first part. Some of you can do this a lot better than me, but I just kind of imagine him 
with a hand on his hip. Don't tell me. Don't tell me what I think about you. Don't put words in my mouth. Because you got no clue. Because your human tendency is to assume negative. Your human tendency is to assume that I am thinking negative of you. So don't tell me what I think about you because here's what I think. I think thoughts of peace and not of evil. And and get this last part. To give you an expected end. An expected end. We, we ought to be able to understand this verse more than any other time in history. Because probably most of us in this room, whether it's in the navigation system in your car or on your phone, you have plugged in an expected end. I, I went, uh, Timothy and I and, and my, my brother and, and my nephew went down to D.C. on Friday to watch a couple of the Big Ten championship games, the Big Ten tournament games, and, and, and the, it was at the Verizon Center, and when I first left Annapolis, I, was, I, I had a route in mind that I was going, I was pretty much staying on New York Avenue just about all the way. And, and we got into to the city on New York Avenue, and the GPS lady comes on and says, there is an alternate route that will save you four minutes. She was ill-informed. And I was naive because saving time when driving is always an appealing thing. And we turned off of New York Avenue. And I, I, I don't know how many of you ever been overseas. But in about 100 feet, I felt like I had been instantly transported to Pakistan. Where? My brother said it. Where are we? I'm like, well, I'm hoping we're still in D.C. And, and we took some... Strange route to get there. Notice, please. He did not say, I know the thoughts I think toward you, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you an expected journey. Some of us can't believe in an expected end because we have an unexpected journey. Mm. I think that might be tweetable. I said some of us can't believe for an expected end because we are too overwhelmed by an unexpected journey. But your expected end incorporated your unexpected journey. 
because your expected end also included an expected journey for him. And so he says, I know what I think about you, and I have an expected outcome. It may not go the way you expect to get there, but I have an expected end. Oh, if somebody could lead today, if nothing else, but with a confidence of knowing that no matter where I am and no matter what I'm going through, God has an expected outcome for me. And based on God's thoughts about me, it's a good outcome. The Amplified Bible says it this way. I know the thoughts and plans that I have for you, says the Lord. Thoughts and plans for welfare and peace and not for evil. To give you hope in your final outcome. I, I, I was in, I, I, I'm, I'm closing. If you're a guest today, that doesn't mean anything. I'll just tell you that. I was in England during the Super Bowl. I wasn't, I, I, I should have known, but I didn't really expect that they would have the game live on television. And it turned out they did. And so I think it started around 11, 11.30. And so I, I had made up my mind. I, I just, it wasn't about how the game went. I just basically made up my mind. I'm going to watch the first half. And then I'm going to bed. And I watched the first half. And I went to bed feeling very sorry for the goat I just learned a couple of weeks ago what the goat is. For all of you that are in my category, that's not a bad reference to somebody. It's the greatest of all time. Although I don't think Tom Brady's the goat. Never mind, we won't get in a big debate here. I went to bed, I think it was 21 to 3 at halftime if I'm not mistaken. The greatest or the largest margin overcome in a Super Bowl up to that point, if I'm not mistaken, was 14 points. The game looked completely lopsided. The Falcons looked great and the Patriots looked horrible. And I thought, oh well, poor Tom. And I I was awakened in the middle of the night by a text. That it was something along the lines of, can you believe that? Like, believe what? (laughs) Believe that the Falcons won? I mean, and then I saw the notification, the ESPN notification, that the New England Patriots had won the Super Bowl. When I went to sleep, that was not the expected end. I came home, and a couple of days after I came home, I went and watched the recording of that game, the second half. I wanted to see how it happened. You see, at that point, I also knew what the expected end was. 
I, I'm sure, I'm sure there's some naive Patriots fans. I'm sure there's some delusional Patriots fans that at halftime we're still, we're going to win this game. I, that's, that's a bunch of hogwash, as Bishop would. There's no way. Because there was an unexpected first half. That how do you get to that end? He says, I have an end for you that you should have hope in your final outcome. Not fear, not dread, not anxiety, not worry, but hope in how everything is going to turn. I wonder if there's anybody that just by the showing of a hand could just testify a little bit today to say, you know what, I can testify to the fact I've experienced that there's been some outcomes in my life that it wasn't what I had expected because based on where I was and what I was going through, the outcome looked really bad, but somehow God stepped into my world and the end that I was expecting was a lot it turned out to be a lot different. And so again, you might be on an unexpected journey today, but God is looking down on us to say, I've got it all ordered, and I know what I'm thinking, and I know where you're going. If you'll just surrender and allow me to get you there, it'll all be okay. Message Bible, last translation, last verse. I know what I'm doing. I have it all planned out. Plans to take care of you. I like this part. Not abandon you. Plans to give you the future you hope for. It's not mansions and Mercedes and Bentleys and Rolls Royces and private jets. That's not what he's talking about. I've, I've got an outcome that you can hope for because most of us today, we, we probably have some pretty reasonable desires for the future. I know some of you want to win the lottery and your world get turned around, all that, but most of us, we're... He says, I've got an outcome for you that it is one that you can hope in. So here's what's pretty amazing to me. He's got it. All covered. Nathaniel, I knew you when you were sitting under the fig tree before we even met. And I also know that in the future, there's some things that I'm going to do that are going to blow your mind. There's some stuff I've got for you in the future. That if you think the fact I knew you sitting under a fig tree was something... You just wait and see what tomorrow holds. Can I be so bold as to say, you know, sometimes we sit and we sit in a service and the preacher preaches and sometimes we hope it's not for us. And then there's other times we kind of have this whole, I, I, I wonder... I wonder if he's talking to me. I wonder if he's... And, and, and then sometimes it's ourselves and other times the devil tries to... T- no, that he, he's definitely not preaching to you. That's for somebody else. 
Uh, that, that's not for you. You don't deserve this. This isn't for you. And so can I, can I just say that this morning, I don't say this all the time, but this morning, if you are here, and if you're sitting here breathing, you're here. I know that's probably the deepest thing I've said all morning. If you're sitting in this place, then that means that God is talking to you. Before you got up this morning, He already saw you pouring your cup of coffee. He already saw you making your way here. He didn't just meet you here. He wasn't just sitting here waiting on you. He was there with you. And actually before this morning, He was there. In fact, you can't find a time in your life. You can't find a time in your life. You can't find a time in your life that He wasn't there. I want you, if you would, just right where you're seated. If you would just bow your head and close your eyes for a moment. I believe there's somebody, probably more than one somebody, but there's somebody here today. That no, it may not happen as literally as it happened for Nathaniel and his encounter with Jesus, but in just as real of a way that God would like to prove to you this morning, I know where you've been. I know where you are. I know where you're going. I know what I think about you. And I know what the outcome is that I have for you, and it is a good outcome. I wonder if you would just right where you're sitting, in your own way, your own words. Maybe, maybe you're sitting here right now, and you know what, Brother Wright, I'd like to believe that. I'd like to, I'd like to trust that, but I'm just not sure. Why don't you do like the man that I mentioned? Why don't you just tell him, Lord, I, I believe, but I need you to help my unbelief. Or maybe you need to tell him, Lord, I, I want to believe. I really want to believe that you knew me before today. And I really want to believe that there is a purpose and a plan for my life and that you've got an expected outcome for me. I've got some doubt, I've got some fear, I've got some worry, I've got some anxiety over it. So would you help me today? I believe what you would find is a God who is ready and willing to do just that. I wonder as heads continue to be bowed and eyes closed, if nothing else, just respecting those that are around you. But maybe somebody, you're here this morning, and you are hearing, you are feeling that call, that tug 
of the Lord on your life today, whether you're a guest or whether you come here all the time. But you need to once again respond to that. You need to once again answer that call. I'd like to invite somebody right now to you would get up out of your seat, come down to this altar. And the reason I ask that this morning, sometimes we do that, but we do it for different reasons. But I'm asking you that right now because I'm asking you to do that as a demonstration of your faith. It's not that you can't do it right where you're sitting, but to take that step, physical step, to walk down to this altar is also taking a spiritual step to say, God, not just with my words, but by my actions. If you're calling, I'm answering. If you've got a purpose and a plan, I want it. If you have an expected outcome for my future, I want that outcome, God. I, I'm on an unexpected journey right now. I'm in some circumstances and situations right now. It's not what I expected. But if you really can give me an expected end, I, I want that, Lord. In Jesus' name. Father, I pray right now that you would touch every heart in this place today. That you would help every individual here today, God, to hear and to respond to that call. That the same way in which you called Nathaniel, you are calling people in this place today. The same way in which you knew Jeremiah before he was even born, you know us long before we've ever even been aware of you. Not only do you know where we are, not only do you know where we were, you've also got a plan for where we're going. God, I pray that every voice of condemnation, every, every voice that tries to tell us we're unworthy and you won't do that for us because our mistakes and our failures are too great, that that voice would be silenced and that there would be faith to hear and to respond in Jesus' name. You know what, I, I, I believe there's some folks this morning that you're, you're not a guest. You come here regularly, but right now you're in the midst of an unexpected journey. Things are just not going the way you planned or thought they would go. I believe God wants to give you some peace today. Peace that there is a final outcome that is an outcome of good. If you're here today and that's you, again, I'm, 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 I'm appealing to some of you right now that you're, you're not a guest. The invitation still stands for our guests, but I'm talking to some folks right now. You're not a guest, but it's just not going the way you planned. It's not going the way you thought. Can I invite you right now to get out of your seat and come to this altar and give God the opportunity this morning to replace some of your doubts and fears and worries and anxieties with an, with an assurance that God, you have an expected end.
for me. I'm on an unexpected journey right now, God. The path my life has taken is an unexpected path. But I'm going to trust that as a part of your plan for my life, these unexpected circumstances that I'm in, these unexpected events that I'm dealing with, none of them are unexpected for you, God. You knew them before they ever happened. In Jesus' name. If you don't have a need this morning to respond for yourself, can I ask some of you to come and join with some of these folks that are in the altar right now? Sometimes it's not really our circumstances that need to change. Sometimes it's not really the problems in our life that needs to be fixed. Sometimes it's just our thinking that needs to be adjusted. Sometimes it's just our perceptions that need to change. Somebody's perceptions can change today. My path is unexpected. My journey is unexpected. What's going on in my life is unexpected for me. But God, you, you know the thoughts you've got about me. You know the thoughts you have for me. They're thoughts of peace, not evil. And you're going to bring me to an expected end. In the name of Jesus. I pray, God, that you would replace fear today with peace. That you would replace doubt with faith. That you would replace hopelessness with an unshaking hope. In the name of Jesus, help us today. Help us today. Whether the circumstances are by my choice or the circumstances are out of my control, there's not one situation, God, that has caught you by surprise. There's not one situation, God, that is unexpected to you. You promised me, you promised me, God, that all things... All things will work together for my good. There's sometimes, God, I look at the circumstances. There's sometimes, God, I'm looking at the situations in my life, and it seems impossible how it can turn out for my good. But that's what you promised. That's what your word guarantees me, that it will work for my good. So today, today, God, give somebody peace today. Give somebody the assurance today. There's an expected end. There's an expected end. My steps, not just my life in general, 
Not just the years, not just the months, not just the days, not just the hours, but my steps are ordered by you, my steps. You are so interested in me. You are so aware of me that you've narrowed it down to every step that I take is ordered by you. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, help us today, Father. Help us to mix your word today with faith. Help us to mix your word today with faith in your word that it might profit our lives, that it might benefit us. Jesus' name. I trust you today. I trust you today. My mind doesn't understand. My mind doesn't always conceive what's going on and why it's going on, but I want to confess that I trust you today. I trust you, Lord. I trust you, Lord. I trust you, Lord. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, hallelujah, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. With all of thine heart. Oh, hallelujah. In all my ways, in all my ways, I acknowledge you and I trust you to direct my path. In all my ways, in all my ways, I trust you for a hopeful outcome. I trust you for a hopeful outcome because my steps are ordered by you. And as I surrender to the steps that you ordered, it's going to bring me to that outcome. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus.